Hello and welcome to A Positive Look. This is Tony McIntosh. It's been a little while since we've had our last podcast, but with everything going on, it's, uh, it's been very difficult to really kind of zone in on, on one particular thing and the subject that I, I really felt would be of benefit to you. But we have that. And as a matter of fact, it's a two-part series. This is part one, and it's entitled, Let's Talk About It in the Open, part one. I, I recently uh, came to know three young people, three young adults, uh, Virginia, Zavon, and Alex, all from different backgrounds, all of different uh, ethnic backgrounds, different race, and they each have a different perspective of what's going on in the world. It, it's a different perspective, but it's still the, the, a common cause and how they view things as young people and as a, a young Caucasian woman, a young black man from Chicago, and a young Mexican Puerto Rican man from New York, all living in Northwest Georgia now. It's interesting how their perception of what is happening and what their reality is as well. And they give an insight as to how things could probably be a lot better. I want you to listen very carefully to this story and see just how they perceive what's going on. And there's a reason for that. Listen and enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome in. We've got a very special program. It's a, a, a little different approach to everything. I've got Virginia, Xavion, and Alex with us. And we're all very different, except for one thing, we're all humans. <laughs> and uh, But this is a very kind, uh, it's going to be a very candid conversation. We're inviting you in to listen to a, a, a very kind, candid conversation between four individuals. Uh, there's a generation between us, and we are all of different ethnic backgrounds. I'm just going to tell you right now, for the sake of radio, since you can't see, uh, Virginia is a, uh, a white young lady, Caucasian, yeah. from Montana, yeah. uh, living here in Rome, <laughs> <laughs> from Montana. So uh, background's important here. Uh, Xavion is an African-American man mm -hmm. uh, who uh, is originally from Chicago, mm -hmm. and Alex is a Mexican Descent, Mex, Mex, uh, what'd you say, Me Mexican? Mexican, yeah, your father was Puerto Rican. Father I've never heard Rican. that before. That's very interesting. <laughs> uh, all different backgrounds, and you lived uh, many years in, in New York. Yes, sir. In a very bad part of New York. Yeah, I grew you, up in the uh, Marcy Projects in Brooklyn. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And then myself, Tony, who is a white, middle-aged, native Georgian. Now... This sounds but kind of interesting, that, but I'm more than that. <laughs> <laughs> world. But here's the, here's the thing. We, we've got, uh, with everything going on, when you look at the world through other people's eyes, you are able to understand how they feel and why they feel about things mm -hmm. the way they do. Mm -hmm. and, and why that if, if, I see, if something happens and I say, well, you know, that's not a big deal. Well, it may not be a big deal to me, but it may be a big deal to Xavier, it may be a big deal to Alex or Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I think if you take that, that um, statement and you uh, put it with everything else that's going on right now, 
you've got a situation where there's a, a common denominator, and that's a lack of communication mm-hmm. and a lack of understanding, really, for the main part. So we're going to get together, and we're it's kind of like vision us in a in a room somewhere. There's a fire going. May, well, maybe not in the summer, but you know, we're sitting around <laughs> just having a conversation, and we're just talking about things going on, and um, we're going to talk about the views as based on what's happening today. There's um, probably more civil unrest in America than there has been since the 1960s, mm-hmm. and maybe even before then. Uh, our history has been very volatile because it's, it was at the beginning it was volatile because it was a growing nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of opinions coming in, and the way you... Uh, you know, solved problems is you had a duel. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't like that. Uh, you're 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 courting someone. I want to thirty paces and turn and fire and see what happens. And that's how you solved it mm-hmm. back in the seventeen and eighteen hundreds. Thank goodness we don't do that now on purpose. <laughs> uh, that would not be a bad thing. But let's talk about uh, things going on. Let's talk about the idea of why things are important to some races. And or problems, but not view that to others. And mm-hmm. who would like to start? I mean, what what do you see, Virginia? Let's start with you. What do you see through your eyes as to how uh, we can do better communication? I think it's really about um, just taking people as they come and not making assumptions based on what you see at first encounter, and giving someone the time to tell you their story instead of just jumping to some kind of assumption or conclusion about them. Um, and I think that's, that goes for everybody. Like, I mean, just giving them the opportunity to tell you who they are. Growing up in Montana, uh, a beautiful country. I mean, it's sky country after all, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Montana sky uh, is beautiful. And, and your lifestyle, the way you were raised... Obviously, it was very different than Barbie Zavian or Alex. Mm-hmm. But yet, the three of you seem to be good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, I mean, what's the key to that? You just click? Well, I mean, what, what's the, uh, the bond there? Honestly, I just, I don't think that race plays any factor at all to me, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Like, okay. <laughs> You know, the, the, the comment I made uh, the other day, and I, I made it to, to, to Xavier, and I think I've made it to another uh, gentleman too, is that, you know, when someone says, I don't see color, it means something different to mm-hmm. Xavier than it would me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the comment I got back is, is that I just really didn't see you. I didn't know you. I didn't understand you mm-hmm. if I didn't see that. But to me, when I say that, it's like, that's not an issue to me. Yeah, so it's different in understanding, and it's important that we understand the words we use. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that's very that's very true. Like, the more you, when you were talking earlier, you said you know the lack of like conversations and and understanding, but it wasn't lack of relatability. Mm-hmm. It's like once you got past that surface level of like, oh, when I said this, that's what it meant to you. You immediately are able to understand and relate to the person, and it's like, okay, well, this is how I'll express myself instead. Mm-hmm. That way you're more comfortable with the situation and things of that nature. But if you just said it blanket statemently, you know, like if you just said it and then moved on with no real conversation, you assume that you did right because you knew what you were saying 
but they didn't know what you were saying, you know, like it's. See, that's the trouble with headlines. Yeah. See, that's what a headline will do to you is that you put that out there and then all of a sudden, wow. Uh, oh, you read a little bit more and it's not exactly yeah. what the headline <laughs> yeah, yeah. is. It's a, oh, okay. Well, let's do that. Uh, Alex, I, growing up in, in a, a tough part of New York, <laughs> it's, I'm glad you, you're safe now. Yeah. You're here. And mm -hmm. I mean, we love people from New York. It's a, that's a whole other world, just like people in California. It's yeah. another. It's a different culture. It's a different mm -hmm. way of doing it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we love and respect them. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, through you, I mean, you, you, you were raised, your mother's Mexican, your father's is Puerto Rican, and uh, d tell me there hasn't been any prejudice uh, oh. toward you in your life. I mean, uh, come on. There, it's, there's been, there's it's been, been a lot difficult. of... It has been a lot of moments in my life to where, uh, I, like I like I was telling you earlier, um, my dad is Puerto Rican, but he was more on the African side, and my mom's Mexican. So you know, I was confused my whole life trying to figure out what I really am. And she basically would tell me, "You're half Mexican, half black." If we're gonna go with that, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I get the worst end of both sticks. You know, um, with me growing up in Brooklyn, it's not what you think. It's like in the movies, you know. Obviously, people are rude because it's New York. And, uh, <laughs> um, but what really, what really stands out is it's racism. It really, it's in your face a lot. You know, I've been called all types of names in New York, and uh, I was trained to basically just shrug it off because that person's really upset or they're really mad at something at life, and they have to resort to that to take their anger out. Uh, me growing up there, um, I dealt with a lot of that in school, outside of school. Um, my uncle would tell me, you know, this is what's going to really happen to you when you step out those doors. And, you know, every day was just a new adventure for me. Um, does it get progressively, did it get progressively worse for me when I moved down to Georgia? Yes and no. Um, the only time racism poked its ugly head was I was at work. And I used to work at Rite Aid. I was at the pharmacy end. Mm -hmm. um, this lady, this was during the Trump versus uh, Hillary Clinton election. And um, this is my first election. So I come up to the window because this lady's there. And I say, hello, how can I help you? And she just says, I need to pick up my medicine. So I ask her for her name and everything. She gives it to me. And I tell her that her insurance isn't going to cover this. She needs to either A, go to a different pharmacy or renew her insurance. And uh, she was just yelling, screaming at me, telling me I'm dumb and all that. And then she just said, with a, with a straight face, and I could see the look in her eyes was evil. She just said, I hope Donald J. Trump sends you back to your country. That hurt for me at first. I didn't show much reaction. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was because I told myself, you know what? I voted for the guy, too. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, at first, I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't really. That might have given her a stroke. <laughs> yeah. And then we got yeah. So uh, at first, it it uh, it didn't affect it didn't affect me at first. You know, I I, sh I shrugged it off and I told my boss what happened, and he said, "You can go home if you want to. It's okay." So I went home and then I sat down in my room and I started to cry, and I was crying a lot. And I was I walked up to my mom and I said, "Mom," and I told her what, exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And she just said, Alex, no matter where you go in life, no matter what you're doing, racism will always uh, poke its ugly head in. You just have to learn how to take it with a grain of salt. Um, nine times out of ten, they do mean what they're saying, but other times they don't mean it. It's just what comes to the head is what comes to the head. Um, so, you know, ever since then, I just 
took words and insults like that, and I just shrug it off. Yeah, I like to say, let the water roll off your back. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a ducks get you misused all the time. Everything rolls off their back, you know, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> so we're all ducks. We have to have to let the water roll off. But right. I mean, it, it's it's really it's really sad and a shame that 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 happens. But you're absolutely right. I mean, racial prejudice has it's it's been a part of the world since the beginning of time. I mean, it's nothing new. Mm-hmm. It just gets amplified right. at various mm-hmm. times. Um, and we can date that all the way back to the, <laughs> be, uh, truly, the beginning of civilization. Yeah. 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 If you were on the wrong side of the tribe, if you were on the wrong side of the uh, the river or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that, you know, even with Native Americans, if you were the wrong uh Tribe, uh, yeah. Apache, and a Navajo, uh, forget it. It's, they're just not going to be together. It's just <laughs> yeah. not going to happen. So yeah. um, some were peaceful, some were warring, and that was mm-hmm. the way it was. Mm-hmm. Man's always been that way. Mm-hmm. And I mean man in the universal mm-hmm. uh, mankind. Um, you know, being a white middle-aged man, mm-hmm. um, there's been nothing privileged about that i can tell you that right now uh especially when you went when i went to high school it was predominantly uh black mm-hmm. i was in the 40 percent minority mm-hmm. i was not supposed to be able to play basketball mm-hmm. yet i figured it out right that was that was my end of it and as a teenager uh it was very uh like wow this is this is gonna be rough i cannot you know because one i'm scared uh, too, so I do understand that. But as far as just being able to go out and, and go somewhere right. and not have to worry about anything happening, getting shot at, getting uh, pulled over for no reason whatsoever, even though that's happened to me before, um, it's a scary thing on a daily basis. It mm-hmm. does that. Prejudice is something, but it's how we deal with it. And I think that's the reason why this I want to have this open conversation is how can we deal with the prejudices that are out there right now without burning everything down and people getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to throw a statement out at you. Mm -hmm. And this came, this was on an interview the other night on national television Mm -hmm. with the uh, director of the black lives matter in the state of New York. And his phrase was, if we don't get what we need, we will burn the place down. Mm-hmm. Now, then it went on, mm-hmm. and it explained exactly what he meant by that, or what he, he went on. <laughs> yeah. and, all right, you see what I'm talking about? But on the surface, it's like, holy cow, what, are you serious? But what I'm saying, that's a very strong statement. Mm-hmm. That's a very, you know, that, that also puts th- that movement into a very negative light yeah, with a lot wow. of people. And I don't think that's what it's meant to do. <laughs> Well, it's like what you were saying a minute ago with the the headlines. Not all the headline doesn't always tell the story. Sometimes right. the headline is like it'll grab you, but it's not, yeah. then you go on and read the article and you're like, that's not at all <laughs> what that said. I think sometimes you have to get people's attention too, and maybe that's like a tactic too. Just mm-hmm. you know, now I have your attention. Here's what I actually meant. But yeah. I mean, as far as as far as the Black Lives Movement is concerned, is uh, it, it's really it's just like look fairness. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we want, we need fairness. We need, yeah. you know, everything to be what's good for one is good for the other. And I think mm-hmm. that's, but how it's portrayed and how it's carried out seems to be different in 
different areas because it's not mm -hmm. always the same in say in Georgia as it is in New York or as it would be as it would be in Missouri or mm -hmm. California it's it's all a little bit different and yeah. that can be very confusing to someone that says you know what is this all about I'm trying to figure this out are they, is it militant is it yeah. is it religious is it you know what is it so one of my friends uh he was trying to explain it to me. Uh, ironically, he was Caucasian, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he was trying to explain it to me in a way that was like, oh, you got to break a couple eggs to make an omelet. Um, yeah, no, no, I was I was so angry. But um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, he, he was trying to explain that a lot of people just wanted outright change, right? But they didn't know how to go about it because in their heads, they've we've seen all of the different facets of the peaceful and the correct way, the correct way to go about fixing this situation and nothing really ever changes, right? Um, you can listen to a speech from Elijah Muhammad or Martin Luther King from 1960s and it rings true right now in 2020 in the exact same way, right? Um, and it, it, and then you see the same sort of headlines uh, where it's broken down in like four pieces where it's like black man, uh, in something does this and someone does this for this reason and it's like and and you like break down how the entire headline is is pieced together it's like black man okay uh, uh, is arrested or black man gets called on the police from some other person for this mundane reason right and then you're just like okay what happens and the person ends up dying because of this mundane reason mm -hmm. in the first place and it's like well why did the person even call it in the first place like if if uh like police brutality right a lot of the police brutality is based off of people calling the cops to come right it's not like them just stopping someone and then starting a situation it's people that have their own prejudices and their own biases calling the cops on someone because of how they look or assumptions made and then the police get, come there and then it ends up becoming a serious altercation. Okay, the police are an issue, but the prejudice that originated the entire situation is something that's not being dealt with. Right. Like, I, I know that I'm a person that's not volatile, but simply because I'm jogging, you're going to call the cops because you think that I'm doing something disturbing because I'm dark. That even if the police officer thinks that I'm disturbing because I'm dark, okay. He doesn't need to be in that situation. You created the situation, and nothing's going to change unless you figure out a way to stop wanting those situations to be like. You don't need the police officers for every situation, right? Right. But it's it's going to evolve into okay. I need them for everything, right? And if I can't depend on the police officers in my own neighborhood, if I can't depend on my local government, if I can't depend on the federal government, if I can't depend on the media to actually give me a straight truth. I, I can't believe in anything that is given to me. And if I keep trying to be positive about the situation, but these things keep happening in the exact same way and nothing changes, I'm going to be furious at right. some point, right? Mm -hmm. And Martin Luther King has this uh, speech where he says in it, like, the uh, writing is for the people that are unheard. And people, like, like, I think it was like day two or day three of the riots. And people were taking that quote as though, like he was championing the understanding of people being, you know, violent, right? In reality, that's not what the speech was about. In no way. No. He was no. like, if you do that, 
it's not going to help anything. And on top of that, it's not the best way to go about it. And I know what the best way to go about it. And the way that people are doing it is going to end up causing more issues than causing more, more solutions. But again, you, you place a headline that says Martin Luther King agrees with people that are writing. Barack Obama agrees with people that are writing. Black Lives Matter understands people that are writing. Then you create this whole ecosystem of people that aren't in the situation that believe, okay, Black Lives Matter, okay, they're okay with it. Okay, even the last president that was black, he's okay with it. Okay, all these people are okay with just violent acts for the sake of violent acts. And it's like, well, they aren't really saying that. The media has just presented it that way. And they don't really feel that way. They're not really doing this for the same reason that you think they are. But you haven't had the conversation to understand it. And I, I just, the idea of breaking a couple eggs to make an omelet right. is idiotic. Especially for people's lives and livelihood. The only place that really makes sense is if you're actually cooking. Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. And, and, and that's it. And actually, I like a three-egg omelet yeah. versus a two-egg. But that's the only only place you can put that that, that makes any sense. This is true. <laughs> so, this is very true. Let's just dispel that right now. Yeah. I mean, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> to use eggs for an omelet, only cook with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't throw them at anybody. Because yeah, then you've just wasted a perfectly good egg. <laughs> Uh, it has done nothing but make and a mess. Someone is mad, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it you you make a very you make very good points there. Where, where mm-hmm. uh, it it's kind of coming back to where okay, where's the problem here? It's it's how everything is interpreted. Yeah, and interpretation can be very dangerous mm-hmm. uh, because. I'm going to say a large. I'm not going to give exactly uh, any kind of statistic, but I'm going to say a majority of interpretations are going to be wrong. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, everything's reactionary. Mm-hmm. We've become. We've seems like we have become a reactionary society. Oh man! Uh. Be, because because once you know mm-hmm. something happens, and then something else happens, and it's like okay, now that we're diving into the situation, you're going to find the real truth, and it's like oh boy, boy, we really <laughs> overreacted in this yeah. one. And um, that reminds me of a uh, so the Black Panther Party, right? They they marched on uh, City Hall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with with like assault rifles and shotguns, and things of that nature, right? Okay, so that all originated from police, like hard policing inner cities of black communities, right? And they were trying to limit the amount of atrocities, the the Rodney King esque type things, right? And so they started walking because it was open carry it was it was a freedom right mm-hmm. so they would open carry and they would walk their neighborhoods and if police officers were like pulling someone over they would just stand on the curb and watch them do it and if anything happened well i have an assault rifle and i'm watching you so i'm policing the police right yeah. and then police officers and neighbors like in the in the community were like more or less disturbed from the situation it was like well i can't depend on the police officers to defend me if they're being policed by the Black Panther, right? And so they were trying to start, they, they like put on the on the floor, right? Like some bill to start limiting open carry, right? Probably wasn't even going to go anywhere near an actual, like actual made bill, right? As soon as the Black Party heard that, they immediately moved all of their people onto City Hall and then moved inside of City Hall with their guns hmm. to try and threaten them in a, in a like a, peaceful way right saying like if you do it don't do it right <laughs> and <laughs> threatened a peaceful way that <laughs> and and it was funny right so so the original the original situation it was a it was a bit weird right mm-hmm. and then they they started a bill but it most likely wouldn't move anywhere 
Black Panther Party overreacted and then moved to City Hall to say, no, I, I am a legal citizen and you are going to take my rights away. But in like the most absurd way possible. And so that immediately scared all of the politicians, including Democrats, to push the bill to be passed. <laughs> so both parties like overreacted to the other party. And and uh, I forgot who it was. It was, a, it was a political leader that was black. And he was like, if the black party didn't do that, most likely wouldn't have happened. If, mm. if the police didn't do what they had to do in their inner cities, this probably wouldn't have been in the situation in the first place. A lot of overreaction and a lot of misunderstanding of people, a lot of lack of relatability, a lot of lack of conversation caused all of these overreactions. Yeah. And, and, so, and that seems uh, to be so the, the key word there is overreaction to a situation. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes that has to be immediate action mm -hmm. uh, in the case of, of police. Uh, you, you're doing what your job says that you're supposed to be mm -hmm. doing. You try, and then you get resistance, mm -hmm. and then they have to spring into the next mode. Mm -hmm. And then when that happens, mm -hmm. it's never really that good because yeah. especially when they feel they're threatened. And I think that's probably one of the biggest arguments uh, in a lot of situations, like the, well, the, the, the case in Atlanta recently. Um, oh, the... Uh the man with the taser that ran away. Yeah, uh, I yeah. Name, that, yeah. That, that fell asleep in the line at Wendy's. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, oh, you know, it was a very minor situation, a very minor uh, misdemeanor. Or, and it really wasn't even a misdemeanor yet. Other yeah. than, <clears throat> excuse me, um, can, can you please move your car out of the line so everybody can, you know, go through? That was the thing. <laughs> that was well, the thing. Okay, so. <clears throat> excuse me, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. It's just. <laughs> You, you have to, it's one of those things where, like, uh, I, I always use this analogy, okay? Mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, walking down the street. Guys, like, randomly just throw a punch at them. They're not going to dodge it and then hit, hit, hit them with, like, the hardest punch they've ever experienced, right? No. Mike Tyson isn't going to level some random civilian that tries to fight him, right? He's going to, like, grab his arms, like, what are you doing? Stop, chill out. Like, what are you I'm a professional. Like, I know the power that I have, right? Right, right. A lot of the issue is their feeling of having no control of the situation. Mm -hmm. Like, um, perfect example, right? Lando Castile. He was a registered gun, gun owner, right? He had his wife and his child in the car. Mm -hmm. He got pulled over for some minor thing, right? He, was, he let him know originally, hey, I have a gun, but it's, I, I have the permit and everything. He's like, all right, show me the permit. The moment the man told him he had a gun, his prejudice went from, oh, he's a black man, all right, cool, yeah, whatever, to, oh, you have a gun. Oh, this is, this is a very different situation. Okay, I don't, like, what if he just randomly pulls the gun out of nowhere? It's an irrational thought. It doesn't really matter. He's not really going to do that. He has his wife and his child in the car. He's a legal citizen. He's not doing anything. Mm -hmm. He's calm. He's respectful, everything, right? But in your head, he's like, I have no control of the situation. If he, at any point in time, pulls his gun, it's literally the end of my life. And I can't do anything about it. I, I don't, like, I can't stop him from grabbing the gun. What, what am I supposed to do, right? He, he just, like, goes into freak out mode, right? The, the man says, all right, show me your permit. He reaches for his permit. That's not even where the gun is, where he told, where he told him where the gun is, and he immediately kills him. Hmm. The only reason why any of that happens is because of overreaction and because of feeling like they have no control, right? Mm -hmm. The same situation with, like, Mike Tyson and the civilian. Mike Tyson isn't going to level him because he's fearing for his life. He knows the power that he has. He knows the control that he has of the situation. He knows his bridal power and his unbridled power. 
police officers most times have never even experienced a serious altercation. A lot of police officers have never even pulled their gun. So if they feel like they might have That's to true, do it, yeah. and they're like, oh, 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 they, they just, they freak out. That is not where you should be as a police officer. Mm -hmm. A police officer, like, it's the same thing with a fireman, right? Fireman, he goes for his first fire. He's not going to be like, what am I supposed to do? And he ends up having people that could have easily have lived and ends up burning the entire place down and killing everyone in the building, right? You should not be doing this job if you have, if you don't have the mental capacity to control the situation in a right way. The issue comes where how well are they educated in how to do that? Right. How well are they educated in how to control someone physically to stop them from doing this? And de-escalation is a big part of yeah. that too. Like being able to just, you know, say like, okay, this is getting violent. I have the yeah. power and the training to de-escalate this. Like mm -hmm. I worked at a call center and we had to learn how to de-escalate. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like we had to use that every day. Like, we, and we spent four weeks learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that's missed a lot of times in these situations is like, mm -hmm. sure, okay, you know, you can, you can be a cop and you can be scared and you can see that things are getting violent, but literally it is in your job description to serve and protect, like just de-escalate it. Understanding the complete story is very important, especially in a very volatile conflict. In part two, you're going to understand when Alex tells his story, of how a near-fatal gunshot actually turned into a very big life lesson for not only the person that pulled the trigger, but also for Alex. And that's in part two of Let's Talk About It in the Open.